Welcome to Living by Faith, your bright spot to your Saturday morning. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and I am so excited to be here with you guys to talk about Christmas. I really love the Christmas season, but I want to start out with being really, really honest with you. Can we be honest with each other? I that's I seek every day to be honest, but to, I'm going to be vulnerable. How about that? Um, the holidays, I have a love a love hate relationship with them. I I do. I have a love hate relationship with the holidays. I love them, love them, love them. But and I love all the decorations and the general Christmas cheer. Um, I'm not always thankful for the hustle, right? <laughs> I'm I. The hustle to get there, to get to this break where we can take a breath and enjoy the Christmas season is is a little hard. So when people talk about Advent and preparing your heart December 1st or the, the uh, last week of November, I it's hard to get there because of end of the year um, activities. End of, uh, there's so much. My kids, they both had final exams this week. And so we're hustling for that and we're we're praying over their exams and we're, you know, there. and then there's activities, there's last minute music concerts and games. There's so much going on. This week was so full and busy. And I am sure many of you can attest. Everything is crammed into this last week before the holiday break. Today, I want to invite you to slow down for a minute for just one hour. This with me and my guests as we prepare our hearts for the reason for the holly jolly. There's so much to celebrate, and in the hustle and bustle, we can forget. Today, I have my longtime friend Dan Darling on the show. Dan is an author, pastor, and leader. He was recently appointed as the director of the Land Center for Cultural cultural engagement at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dan is a best-selling author of several books, including The Characters of Christmas. Today, we are going to focus on this best-selling book, The Characters of Christmas, published by our very own Moody Publishers. It's so great to have you, Dan. Shirley, it's great to be on here with you. Uh, what a What a fun time we're going to have. I'm I'm excited to talk about Christmas. Yes, me too. And we um, we were just talking about our kids and how we're both not doing anything for Christmas. We're laying low, and I just I'm so excited not to travel. <laughs> but why do you think that over the decades Christmas has become more of a like about sentiment, gifts, family gatherings than Christ's birth? Well. You know, I think it's it's so interesting. You know, when we get to the to December, I mean, on the one hand, I really I really love the fact that Christmas is almost like a as my one daughter says, Christmas is a season. Um, and you know, we we sort of start thinking about um, we start singing the songs, we start thinking about uh, the the birth of Jesus. But then on the other hand, it it does become so full of so many things to do: parties and shopping and decorating and and, and and all that stuff is great. I, I love I love all of that, but it, it yeah. can easily swamp and overwhelm really the the, the actual story of, of Jesus' birth. And uh, 
you know, I think for us who are believers, really, it's incumbent on us to even daily just reset our hearts back to why we celebrate. Absolutely. And I guess I wonder the why. Like, why do you think it's you think that it's just because of consumerism, uh, busyness? We're just that's where our focus goes when you're busy or full, your schedule's full, um, the secularization of society. I don't know. I wonder, or has it kind of always been this way where we, where we shifted? I mean, I think in some sense it's been this way for a while. Um, you know, one of the things about Christmas that seems to happen every year, even with people like me or, or you who really want to focus on the real meaning is that there's there's a sense of obligation that I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I have to do this because everyone's doing this and um, and I think we should you know I think it's great that we participate in all the rituals and rites of the season but we can kind of become anxious of if I don't yeah. have this one more gift or if I don't attend this party or if I don't have this thing or, or do that other thing then somehow we're failing our family or failing everybody and. Sometimes it's okay to say, you know, this is a time where I just want to um, really slow down and meditate on, on on Jesus and really rest my soul after a long, hard, and uh, busy year. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I I guess I'm I'm wondering if there are some best practices that we can before we even begin the holiday. I know we're right in the middle of it, and maybe you're listening and you're thinking. Well, great. I've already, I mean, we're in the hustle and bustle right now. So if you were to tell someone right now, one or two things that they could do, what would that be? To kind of slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing to do is really, and this is something I try to do every year. As soon as December hits, I really, even in my personal spiritual disciplines, I try to really focus on Advent and focus on uh, the Christmas season. So I usually every year pick a different uh, book or resource or something to go through to really set my mind. Um, I actually start listening to Christmas music long before then to, to kind of get my mindset. I think the second thing is to just allow yourself the time to rest and to to not do have to do everything. And sometimes that's difficult. I mean, we're both in a season. I'm, we're in a season where our kids are in school and they're, they've got a million different schedules and we're taking them here and there. And some of that stuff's unavoidable, but as much as we can say, okay, it's more important for our family to be restful and to be meditating on the Lord than to have to do all these things we think we have to do. You know, we sort of try to pack all this stuff into the Christmas season. We feel a right. sense of obligation. We got to go get these gifts that are, otherwise we're failing as parents. We don't have all these amazing gifts and we can easily lose sight of why we do slow down and celebrate Christmas. You know, I had a guest on a few weeks ago, Asherita Chuchu, and one of the things that she said that mm. her family does is that they take, I, I, if I can remember, they ask each other, what is one thing that you want, you really, really want to do this season? So maybe it's ice skating and maybe another is visiting mm. a, the and looking at Christmas decorations or whatever it is. Mm. And they do that one thing per person and then nothing else <laughs> or something like that, that nothing else might be extreme, but they do, that's what they do. And I just loved it. So I adopted it for our, my family. I just thought, okay, guys, what's the one thing that's like 
you, you got it. You really want to do this because the rest of the time, I'm going to just cook in the kitchen and relax and we can just, <laughs> you know, we're not doing much else besides that one thing. And that was really helpful for us. Um, of course, that's that was helpful for slowing down. But you mentioned that mm. you read through some resources. What are other um, resources that you use? Well, every year I try to pick one Advent devotional uh, and just and go through it. Uh, you know, a 25 or 30 day devotional that's walking through it. So I've I've used some of there's some really great resources out there uh, that I try to do just to and, and I try to read through the <clears throat> both the prophetic passages and also the uh, the passages in the Gospels that that describe the, the birth of Jesus um, and reorient my heart toward that. And it's amazing, you know, having read and studied this my whole life, you know, like over 40 years or whatever, there's always something new that hits you. There, uh, uh, there's so many different um, angles to the incarnation that are so powerful. And there's always something new that hits you. But I do think we have to focus on on slowing down and, and, and thinking about it. And I do like that idea you mentioned that Asherita mentioned. Sometimes our disappointment in the holidays is because our expectations are so high. We have expectations for ourselves. Yeah, that would has to be this fun, festive thing for 30 days. And if we don't do all this stuff, we're missing out or we're disappointing people or expectations for our family. You know, sometimes my expectation for what December looks like in my mind might be different than other members of my family. And so there that's why you get tension and you get anger and you get all that. And you have to just as you said, we have to sit down and say, OK, what do we want to do this in this December? How do we want to spend this? What would make it fulfilling for us and, and really do that? I love that, especially that you're you're right. I do think that even the, I think it was yesterday I was thinking, OK, now it's time to make it festive. <laughs> and I thought yeah. and then I announced to my family, OK, guys, I'm sleeping as long as I can. <laughs> and so so there went that. But but I, I did think, OK, the, the smallest thing I can do is put music on and put the lights on just something it doesn't have to be this huge elaborate every morning is this new baked good <laughs> you know they they don't and i don't actually think that most people really actually expect it and that's what um mm. that's one of the reasons why i really love that advice that of thinking of just one or two things because all of a sudden you realize you've been doing this elaborate thing and nobody cares about it nobody wants Nobody, they, they're thankful, obviously, but it's not something they were expecting or really longing for anyways. They really just wanted to go ice skating. And so those are the kinds of things that I think kind of alle alleviate that pressure and help us to focus on Jesus. And what do you care to tell us the resource you're going through right now? Well, right now I'm reading Jared Wilson's um, Advent devotional, which is really good. Um and uh, it's been helpful. And I've gone through others before, you know, John Piper or Sinclair Ferguson or some from uh, church history, which has been really good. And I think it's important for us to really focus on why we actually believe this and, yes. and, and how important the incarnation is, how important the coming of the Son of God to the earth is and what it tells us about Christianity, what it tells us about our belief that that Jesus came to a world that's broken and 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 um, and uh, corrupt and distressing as the world we face today, 
a lot of people come into Christmas season not feeling very festive. They may have lost a loved one. They may yeah. have lost a job. They may be going through tremendous heartbreaking pain. They're watching the news and saying, you know, what, what's going on in the world? And to understand that the Christmas story invites you to bring your joy and your sorrow. And Jesus came to a world that was very much as, as, as messed up as ours. But if you understand genuinely what the Christmas story is about, that he's come to um, to make the world new again. And this is really the hope of the world. Uh, I mean, even reading Mary's prayer about her son, about how he's going to turn the world upside down, I think that that's what gives us hope. Amen. When we return, let's talk about that hope, why we believe, why we celebrate more soon. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we have been talking with Dan Darling about Christmas and the busyness of Christmas, but he wrote his book on the characters of Christmas. So I want us to dive in and start to prepare our hearts to think about, because we have been talking about how crazy it is and and what we can do, just a few practical steps right now that we can do to breathe, to silent our hearts, to gather around the the meaning. However, we haven't talked about the meaning. So why do we believe this? Why, why should we um, practice these things that you have been talking about, Dan? Well, uh, first of all, as Christians, we believe that um, the virgin birth of Jesus, Jesus coming, uh, God coming in the flesh, um, uh, as a human being taking on flesh is central to, to our faith. And it's really, uh, the uniqueness of the Christian story that, um, we don't just worship a God who is righteous and holy, who, um, uh, of whom we fall short. It's all true or a God that can't be accessed. You know, he's up in, up in the heavens, but one who came down, he came to us in our distress um, and in our brokenness and uh, became a man that Jesus became a man so that he could defeat sin and death in the grave. He could defeat all the things that make this world so troubled. He came to save us from our sins, to rescue us from our, from our sin and to make the world new again. And one of the things I like to say on Christmas and Easter is that I really want to invite you to believe this, but even if mm. you don't, you'll come away th- wishing it was true because it's really what the world needs. It's yeah, gosh, that's so true. There is something about the the Christmas, and then I think that's why a lot of people, um, I think a lot of churches say it's either Easter or Christmas, but Christmas Eve services are packed. They're packed. I think mm-hmm. we need that hope. We want that hope. We want to know Jesus. Um, he's and he does. He draws people to himself this time of year and and you you did talk about and I think it's so important that not a lot of people not everyone who is coming as as a matter of fact I I would say that probably the majority of people who come into this season are coming with sorrows and sadness mm-hmm. and loss and suffering and I, I'd love for you to talk to that person who's listening and they they are um discouraged. What hope 
do we have in Advent in the coming of Jesus um, as we wait for him in this season for in our suffering? Well, he came to a world that was suffering and um, he is not immune to suffering. And the prophet Isaiah said that he was, um, uh, he, he, he carries our, our sorrows. He knows our suffering. Um, he was despised, rejected of men. You, you know, for many, it's hard for them to be happy this season. I mean, in our own family, we, uh, we lost my mom this year. So this is going to be mm. a, a bittersweet Christmas where there's, yeah. you know, for many families, there's a, there's one less, uh, there's an empty chair around the table. There's an empty spot under the Christmas tree where a loved one was. Um, and Christmas can be wonderful and sweet. And there's all these wonderful sentiments and, and hallmark and all that, but that's not all of Christmas. That's not the true meaning uh, of it. Jesus came to a world that was troubled, but, it, but the hope is that he came to make the world new again. And yeah. uh, he's a, his first coming was a sign that God's kingdom has is broken in and that there's another world coming. There's a better world coming than the world here. And if, if you listen to the cry of many of our Christmas hymns, you hear that ache and that yes. cry, right? Oh, come, yes. oh, come Emmanuel, like yes. rescue us, uh, take us from this. And this is real. We really believe this is true. And so I, I invite folks who are, are they, they sell you celebrate Christmas and you love the season, but you've never really explored the real message behind Jesus coming. Uh, I think of what he, the angels told the shepherds in Bethlehem. It said, a savior is born this day for you. Not not just this right. someone out there, but it, he's born for you. And then there's an opportunity to know Jesus, uh, know God through Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. Our phone lines are open. And if you are listening and you are suffering or you would just love prayer for this season, um, maybe you've lost someone or... Uh, whatever, you you come with whatever you need, we'd love to pray for you. If you'd like to give us a call, we're at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-LIVE or 877-548-3675. If you don't want to go on the air, which I completely understand, if you don't want to call in, but you would love prayer, you can also email me at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. That's livingbyfaith at moody.edu. So, Dan, when I'm thinking about Christmas, we rightly think about Jesus. I mean, that's he is the ultimate character of Christmas. However, there are lots of people who are part of the Christmas story that that maybe we don't think about as much. And and one is is Joseph. <laughs> Why do you think God chose Joseph to be Jesus's earthly father? Well, there's a number of reasons. I mean, we know from the um, from Matthew and Luke that he was in the lineage of David, right? So be, being Joseph's son meant he was he, he earthly son, he'd be the rightful heir to the throne. But more than that, the Bible describes, it doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, but what it does tell us is really impressive that he was a righteous man. He was righteous before um, all of this happened. And when you really study his life, you see that he always uh, did the next right thing. He was faithful. He was obedient. He put Mary's interest above his own. Um, when he found out about Mary being pregnant before he uh, had the vision and was visited by an angel, um, even what he was planning to do to, to divorce her privately was the was the harder option for him. It was the one that would um, 
spare Mary of public shame, but also would carry with him a stigma. He's willing to, to bear that with her. And then when he found out uh, from the angel that this was of God, the, the text says that the next day he got up and, and, um, and went with Mary and, and did everything that God commanded. Uh, when he got a vision from the angel to move Mary and their baby to Egypt because of the threat of Herod, he went and did this right away. He always just was faithful. He did the next right thing. And it's interesting yeah. when we read <clears throat> about Jesus' young life, later when he goes back to Nazareth, to his hometown, he's known as Joseph's son. So mm-hmm. he, he was a son. He was in his humanity, he was shaped by his father who who obviously cared for him. And imagine the stewardship of, of raising the son of God, of raising a son that's not your, your own, really but raising him. Uh, and he did that well. He was faithful to his calling. And he, I think he's an example for men of, of what real masculinity and, and manhood looks like is to be faithful, to, to, uh, to serve their families and to serve God. And to love so unconditionally. I mean, for him to, <laughs> I do, I, one of the things that is always remarkable is that he was not going to shame Mary. He was, mm-hmm. I, I just, I always find that really compelling is that he he didn't understand and he was not going to he was going to divorce quietly and I just thought that was uh, I always found that really remarkable and so gracious um so what are when you think about these characters was there anyone or some anything that surprised you well there's so much to learn I <clears throat> I've always loved character profiles. Uh, I read a lot of biographies. And when I grew up, I used to actually listen to Moody Radio growing up in Chicago and listen to people like Chuck Swindoll. And they would do these amazing profiles of these biblical characters. And I think we forget that they were uh, just regular people. You know, 2000 years later, we've immortalized them and they shape our nativity sets and our Christmas pageants and, and our Christmas cards. But they were regular people just caught up in the story of Jesus cast by God into this grand story of redemption. Um, but what I guess what surprises me is, is how each one of them um, in their own way points to the larger story of redemption. So if you think of yes. <clears throat> even someone like Zachariah and Elizabeth who are longing and waiting for a child and, and it's long past the time when they should have one, they're praying really two prayers. They're praying for God to give them a child in their barrenness, but they're also praying for, the Messiah to come. They're leaning on those Old Testament promises, but it's been 400 years since God has spoken. Uh, the world is really messed up. Romans are uh, ruling uh, the people of God. It doesn't seem anything. Doesn't seem it doesn't seem possible. And then I'll, one day, an angel appears to Zechariah in the temple, and he's he he's been praying for this so long, but he can't even accept it that the fact that it's actually here. But what that tells us about our own heart and um, how sometimes as God had to silence Zechariah in order to let him see God at work, sometimes God has to quiet us and silence us so we could see him at work. Um, and, and I guess what I love about each of these characters is how the threat of redemption runs through their lives, right? Yeah. How with someone like Elizabeth who can't bear children, you see this theme throughout scripture that God is made, uh, is bringing life where there's no life, where he's, he's, um, he's creating life where, it doesn't seem there's possibility of life. And it's, I think, symbolic of the way that God, uh, through Jesus, uh, gives us new birth, that he creates in us where there's no life, he creates uh, new life. 
Mm, our God is a redeemer. And and I do, I love, that's one of the reasons why I I wrote a book um, on Hebrews 11. It was a Bible study. And mm. one of the reasons for writing A Great Cloud of Witnesses was so that I could look back on those stories. And I remember that I have I had read Hebrews 11 a thousand times, but I don't, I don't think I ever paused to really study. And when you study those characters in scripture, one, you realize in many ways they're just like us. They fear, they go through suffering, they struggle, different context, different time, but like us. But then you see God's faithfulness and his redemption and his carrying them through these. And, and it's, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, is the God of today. And that, to me, is a remarkable reminder. So in your suffering, in your season, in whatever you're experiencing right now, right now, Joseph's God is your God. <laughs> right now, if you've placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you go before a throne of grace and you can ask for help right now. And he hears you and it's the same God, he's never changing. He's always faithful. He's always good. And that to me, um, yeah, it, it just brings me a lot of faith and hope. Isn't God so gracious to bring um, these stories alive to us in the scriptures and that we get to experience them and listen to them. Hey, I am so grateful that Dan Darling is joining us. We are going to have more with Dan when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we have been talking to Dan Darling about the characters of Christmas and God's faithfulness and his redemption throughout their stories. And I want to encourage you, your story. God is a redeemer and he never changes. So the God that you read in the scriptures is God for today. Dan, we do have some prayers that came through, um, and I want to read a couple of them, and then would you pray for them for us? Mm. Okay, so Absolutely. the first is um, Ellen in Chattanooga. She lost her brother in March and lost her dad in mm. July, and she still has uh, faith and hope. She's just not doing well, which we can understand. Will you pray for um, Ellen, and then we'll, I'll pray for the the next one. Go ahead. Hmm. Oh, dear Lord, we just uh, thank you that we can come boldly before your throne because of the um, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus because of what happened at Christmas. Um, and Lord, I we, we lift up our, our uh, sister Ellen uh, here in Chattanooga, who um, is is having a has had a difficult year with um, so much loss in her life. And Lord, I just want uh her to know uh, how much you are the good shepherd and you come around us in our dis, uh, distress and our grief. You walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Lord, help her to grieve well, to know that mm -hmm. it's it's good and right to grieve uh, loss. We think of Jesus when he looked at um, his friend Lazarus who had passed and his uh, weeping and his anger within him that uh, wept at, at death, that 
Death is the work of the enemy. We, we are right to rage at death and be angry. And yet we do have hope that one day you will raise us up body and soul. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give her just a sweet comfort and a sense of your presence and, a, and a, to know that you are with her in this season. You are the good shepherd who um, carries us uh, when we can't uh, carry ourselves, Lord. And I, I pray that you would be with Ellen and her whole family as they experience this first Christmas without people they love so, so de dearly. And uh, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for calling in. Ellen, we will be continually praying for you. We also have a prayer request from Roberta, and I'm just going to read it here. Um, I live with depression, PTSD, during um, December every year. I had something very traumatic that happened one December. Every December, my body remembers. For me, it seems to be impossible not to. I have had um, other losses. I remember... I really do spend time in the Word, and it has been so helpful this year, and 52 Weeks in the Word has been very helpful, and other resources I have uh, learned through this year. So she's leaned on, I think is what she meant this year. Um, but I definitely come into the Christmas season with emotional pain. Uh, thank you for being real, and thank you for praying for me. All right, we want to pray she is um, receiving help with a counselor, she said, but she just needs prayer. So, Lord, you are a good and awesome and holy and just God. You are also our Father, and you know every need that we have and every need that Roberta has. You know um, our trauma, our past pain, um, the, the struggles that we might have um, with our minds, Lord. And the remembering that our bodies uh, carry often, Lord, I pray that you will be ever before her, God, that she would remember when when she's tempted towards this the 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 pain and the sorrow and and fixating on any of those that you will bring to mind your benefits, that she would remember your cross. Remember all that she has in you, Lord. I thank you that she is surrounded by counselors and her uh, people who love and care for her, God. I pray that they would be filled with wisdom as they uh, guide her and help her. Lord, I pray that you would ease and heal her mind and her body. Lord, that um, she would wake up and be eased of this, God, and healed. Lord, I, I want to pray for healing. And Lord, you are the great physician. You can do anything, God, but um, that you would, I pray, take this pain and sorrow from her. Lord, thank you for her humility and that you have her turning to you, it, it, that you have been so faithful to to remind her to that she can run to you. And Lord, I thank you that nothing will ever separate her from your love. Jesus, thank you that today, right now, you're interceding for her and interceding for everyone who relates to her pain and sorrow, depression, and post um, PTSD. So Lord, I pray for a um, ease of that, that the rest of this holiday season, she will know that you are near to her because you draw near to the brokenhearted. We love you. We worship you. It's in your name. We pray. Amen.
If you are someone who just needs prayer this season, we'd love to pray for you. Give us a call at 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-LIVE. You can also email me at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. We know that that is some some people don't want to come on the air, and I am more than happy to pr- pray for you. And if we don't get you that prayer on um, air, please know that anything that you send to me, you will be prayed over. Um, Dan, you know, as I was thinking and praying for these callers, I was thinking about unbelief and doubts and how it's it's hard to sometimes bring prayer to the Lord. And I know that uh, we you wrote about Zachariah and Zachariah's mouth was closed, not because of his doubts, mm. but because of his disbelief. So can, can you tell us about mm. the difference there between doubting and, and unbelief? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you contrast with Zechariah's his reaction to the angel in the temple with Mary's reaction. You know, Mary said to the angel, how can these things be? And Mary's response was uh, not one of disbelief, but one of awe. Like, like, how in the world can you use me to carry about this mission and trust me with, with this? Whereas for Zechariah, um, him and Elizabeth uh, had been praying for a child for their whole lives. They were well past, like Abraham and Sarah, they're well past the time of having a child. Um, they also were praying for the Messiah to come. And they, you know, instinctively they believed it because that's what they believed. But so many years passing by, so much silence, it seems, by God, so, you know, walking past that Roman flag flying high above their land, seeing their mm-hmm. their people in despair. You get to a point where you you believe something maybe intellectually or academically, but you don't necessarily believe it with your heart because it just seems too hard. You become jaded. You become um, cynicism crust over your heart a little bit, and you start to even wonder, and you have disbelief. And um, disbelief really keeps us from seeing what God is is going to do. And so, what God does is he he silences him, um, and, and so that he could actually listen and hear. God work. And God sometimes has to silence us. He has to put us in a place of just listening to him uh, so that we can see him act. Our our heads are often so full of noise, of noise mm-hmm. from the outside, noise from news, our news feeds, from social media, from the stress of our daily lives and our schedules and all that, that it clouds out what God is trying to show us. And he has to sometimes silence us, put us in that place where we can see him work. You write that Christmas time is a good time to practice silence, and I think you alluded to this earlier. What does it look like to practice silence? Well, I think it looks different for different people, but I think it's to be still um, before the Lord. Uh, this is very hard for me to do. I have to be honest with you, Trilly. I'm someone who is always doing stuff. I'm always reading. I'm always uh, listening to a podcast or, or audio books or you know, working on things. And it's very hard for me to, to get quiet before the Lord. Um, right. But I think it's a, it's, it's a practice that we have to do. And sometimes it starts with just a small time, right? Maybe that time in the morning when everything is still and you have your coffee and you're listening to the Lord and you're praying or whatever it is for however you do it. But I think it's, it's deeply important for us as Christians. It is deeply important, and we know that it's hard. We all can say, yes, it is so hard to be silent and sit before the Lord and listen to Him. But that's what 
I'm hoping and praying you will do this season. More when we return. Welcome back to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and we've been talking with Daniel Darling. He is the author of The Characters of Christmas. He's also the author of several other books, and we have had such a good conversation, and we are also receiving your prayers, and so I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful that you are calling in or you're emailing. You can call us at 877-548-3675, 877-548-LIVE, or you can email us at livingbyfaith at moody.edu. And it seems like there's a um, a lot of loss that people need prayer for. Dan, Yvonne from Cleveland wrote in that she lost her I'm sorry, her brother, John, in December. And I, I, I find that there is, that loss is probably where we, where we feel this pain the, the most. And you earlier expressed your own sorrows from uh, your mother, which I am so incredibly sorry about. Um, and, and so you, you understand loss. I also have lost my father and my sister one of them and mm. and so this is a that season where um though those that i think is the the greatest pain point because someone is not there and so i'd love for you to pray for yvonne but when you're praying for yvonne let's go ahead and just pray for everyone who's lost someone because i mm. i believe there's someone listening right now who maybe won't call in or send an email but they are they're so, so, so sad and despondent and discouraged. Would you pray for us, Dan? Absolutely. Lord, we just, uh, we think right now about our sister Yvonne, Lord, who is, is uh, facing this Christmas with uh, this deep sorrow and the loss of her loved one. And Lord, I, uh, you, you understand our pain and our heartbreak. You uh, understand what it's like to suffer loss. Um, uh, thank you that you have uh, come to this earth, that you are Emmanuel, God with us in our distress, not absent and detached from it, but with us in our distress. I think of all those who have lost loved ones, uh, who are entering this season uh, lonely or heartbroken, uh, that there's an empty space or two around the table or under the Christmas tree. Lord, I pray that you, as the good shepherd, would come near to them. And we know that uh, losing a loved one, as C.S. Lewis said, is like a like an amputation. Uh, mm. That uh, there's always a loss there, a hole there. Uh, we're always sort of walking with a limp after those uh, those moments. But Lord, I pray that it would make us more humble. It would make us more compassionate for those around us who are also experiencing hardship. That it we might be through our grief and through the way that we we handle our grief uh, as. Uh, a testimony of, of what you can do in us and how you can um, bear our sorrows. And Lord, we're thankful for the promise that you are coming again, that you did not just come the first time, but you're coming again to make the world right, to fix what's broken, to to heal what is hurt, that there will be a time where there will be no more sorrow and no more tears and no more pain. And then we can look forward to that day. Hear me pray. Amen. 
Amen. Yes, I do. I look forward to that day when all of this brokenness, all of this pain, all of this sorrow is wiped away. And the Lord is so faithful, he will surely do it. Um, when we look at the many characters in the story of Christmas, one thing that stands out is that God, he used those whom society most often leaves behind. And it's, why not the, the well-connected or the wealthy? I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, it is interesting. It does tell us something about the kingdom of God, doesn't it, right? I mean, think about even whom the people he chose. He chose this this um, peasant couple on the backside of the Roman Empire that had little agency and little power to to steward the, the Son of God. He chose uh, lowly shepherds. He didn't announce the, the birth in Rome or in Herod's palace, but he, he did it on a hillside with lowly shepherds. Or you think of... Um, those who came to celebrate the birth. It was not those who mm. were supposed to be closer, uh, the religious people, but it was the the Magi, the wise men from the East who followed the star. And I uh, think of Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and um, all these people that God often moves in strange places and out of the way places. You think of Bethlehem being such a uh, out of the way town. It's a town that you would pass by if you were driving and you would not stop probably. It's nothing remarkable about it. But this is how the kingdom of God moves, that most of the people of God, most of the people through whom God works are ordinary people that you'll never hear of. They'll never have a book or a podcast or a radio show or uh, a byline or anything like that. They're, they're just regular folks. Um, and it tells us a little bit about the kingdom of God, that it, it moves along the ordinary. It's, it's an upside down kingdom. It's, it's, it's not how we would script things. It's not how we would announce the coming of the Son of God. But yet this is the way that God chooses to work. Yes, absolutely. I think that, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because social media, which I actually love, I enjoy social media, um, but it, there is a temptation to think that the big, the loud, the big announcement is the way. <laughs> and you talking about the coming of Jesus, and it's, it, I just... Uh, I think it's interesting that he used lowly people to announce him. And all of these people who even proclaimed him were fishermen and, you know, just like all of these pretty ordinary people. And, and yes, we, you and I have written books and we have radio, whatever. We are still very ordinary people. And the Lord, he uses, that's who he uses, <laughs> the ordinary mm -hmm. people to to do his work. And I, I just find it to be such a remarkable thing. So when you think about that for the person who is celebrating Christmas, how should that help us prepare our hearts in, in worship? Well, I think, first of all, it, it, it communicates that as, as the angel said to the shepherds, the son of God is born this day to you. And this is a very mm. personal invitation. And uh, <clears throat> If you have not really reckoned with who Jesus is and you want to know God, uh, uh, the invitation is open that you can know God. And, and you don't have to be rich or powerful. You don't have to be well-connected or religious to, to understand who Jesus is and to by put your faith in him and to experience the, the renewal and redemption that he offers. Right. I love the lyric in Hark the Herald Angel scene where it talks about, um, um, 
born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. That mm. He came to to save us, to save us from our sins, as the angel told Mary. And so it also tells us that to be used by God in this world, to have your life have meaning and to make a difference, um, you don't have to be well-connected and powerful. You just have to put your yes on the table. You have to say, God, where do you want me? Where do you want to put me? And God will use you for your service. Think of Joseph, who was just an ordinary young man. Think of Mary as an ordinary young woman in, in a lost and forgotten part of the Roman Empire. God used to uh, bring about his grand story of redemption. And that could be us. That could be anybody. He doesn't um, call people who, you know, it, it says in Corinthians, very few are noble or wise. He calls yeah. just ordinary folks into his, into his plan of redemption. That is so encouraging. And yes, if you are listening and you don't know Jesus, we would love to invite you to know him as Dan has just laid out the gospel story that you can put your faith, faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You can do that now. And if if you have questions, find a local church. I am I love the local church. I I encourage you find someone, a pastor, a friend and join them. Join them this season. You are welcome and invited. Dan, how can people find you? Well, you can check out my website, danieldarling.com. I have links to all my books and, and, and all the stuff I'm doing there. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and uh, all those places. And, uh, but just grateful to uh, come and talk about uh, Christmas and talk about what Jesus has done for us and to hope folks have a wonderful Merry Christmas and a great Advent season. Yes, amen to that. The Lord is so good, and I'm so grateful for you, Daniel Darling, who is my friend, and also a yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I'd like to thank you, Dan, for joining me today. And also thanks to the behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Bob Moreau, and Lynn on the phone lines. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trillia Newbell. Living by Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. life's disappointments are causing you to adopt grumbling as your daily language, gratitude may seem out of reach. Even if you're not a grumbler, you may be surrounded by them during the Christmas season. I'll talk with D Dustin Crow about the biblical foundations of thankfulness. We'll also talk about how adopting gratitude can reshape our Christian living and bring us joy. Next time on Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell.